All right, guys, welcome back to the Outdoors, uh, Buckmasters Outdoors podcast. Um, I'm your host, Rhett Holland. I'm here with Mr. Michael Perry. Uh, Mr. Mike, he shot the big 195 in, uh, in Alabama this year on public with his muzzleloader, and we finally made it up here to see you. How you doing, Mr. Mike? Doing great. Good to see you all. Good to yeah. see you. Thank you for having us. Really appreciate it. Man, it is uh, impressive to see this deer in person. Yeah. Good gosh almighty. He's something else. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. He's like we were talking about earlier. He's got about everything, everything you want in one. And uh, the fact that you killed him on public here in, in Alabama is just beyond. It's almost unbelievable. <laughs> it's a giant. <laughs> he's, he's something else. And to do it with a mother loader, it's, it was, you know, dreams come true. Absolutely. <laughs> hey, it's like you just said, the stars aligned, but they, hey, they aligned. Yeah. They sure did. Well, hey, let's get right into it. Um, you know, First off, I'd like to, you know, find out a little bit more about you. You know, how how did you get started in the outdoors, and you know what what started that that fire? What lit that fire for you? Well, ever since I was little, my dad was he was always involved in something outdoor wise. They started out duck hunting, commercial fishing, rabbit hunting, and then it went on into deer hunting and trapping. And I went, I followed around while I was little doing a bunch of the stuff, but I didn't really get to deer hunting until I was till later so but I've always been doing something with outdoors when I was a teenager I was trapping a lot because it's just to make gas money and stuff like that and then squirrel hunting and then, you know a little bit of duck hunting a lot of fishing and stuff like that so but deer hunting didn't really, didn't really come on until a little bit later when my dad and them they were they would go around doing a lot of primitive weapons hunts on different man there that had the doe hunts where you could then the only way you could shoot a doe or a deer basically was with a mother loader on them primitive weapon hunts they would care some them and you you got put where they wanted you to hunt, so we—that's how I kind of got into deer hunting. And then later on, we started seeing some people killing some bigger deer, and then that kind of changed my mindset a little bit. <laughs> how old were you when y'all uh, when y'all first started hunting deer? I was in my—I was in my teens when I when I started going some, but I never killed anything until I went in the Navy when I was 17. Stayed in there for five years, went hunting a couple times while I was in the Navy, and never killed anything. We see something every now and then. Never seen an antler until I was in my 20s, around 1988, uh, the first buck or so that I killed spikes and stuff like that. But the first good deer I didn't kill until I was 31. So first, you know, decent rack buck. Nine, right. Nine point at Wolf Creek, man, there. And uh, that that kind of got my fire going a little bit. And then my brother killed a 180, oak a big old non-typical two. And, uh, and that really changed things. Then we heard about a record book, you know, and then, oh, wow, you can you can kill something else and put it in a record book, so that gave me another go. So it took me a little while, but, yeah. From then on, I kind of started changing my mindset on passing, you know, younger bucks to an extent. So right. Back then, you know, you could kill a buck a day, so if you was legal, so we'd done a lot of that because we was meat hunting. So. Right. So now i got to go three-and-a-half-year-old or older, generally, on public land, so pass up some of the smaller ones but that's the goal now so that's what happens when you when you let them grow when you let them grow they they, they can uh they can possibly get like that they can but you know a good thing i didn't see him the year a buddy of mine coming to to camp when we got him out and he's he's saying he's a man i'm glad you didn't shoot him last year because so, so, we you know we had him on camera and stuff, right and that would have been i see how they shot him but i seen him so, <laughs> no <laughs> doubt but no doubt um so you said your brother killed a big 180 
what did you say, 186? 180 and the 8th. 180 and the 8th yeah. on public land here. Um, tell us about some of your other Alabama public land accomplishments throughout the years. I've got a, another one that the first big one I killed was at Black Warrior, uh, 158 and the 8th. Uh, big old mainframe nine point with a sticker, just a big 13-inch uh, G2, awesome boat with a rifle. And uh, I think 2005, and then um, a couple years ago, I killed a, a 141 and something with a bow, 21 and a half inch inside spread. Just a, he's a big old tank too, just a, with a bow. And boy, I, that made my, that was one of my main goals to try to get one Pope and Young with a bow on public land. Right. And it took a long time. I've had some heartbreaks. You know, I shot at one several years ago with a bow that was probably 160s and. Hit a twig right before it got to it, and uh, <laughs> that hurt. It's they're just so hard to get with them bow reins. That's and, right. And, uh, a mature buck, but a couple of years ago I was able to do that. So this year I'd uh, come up with a goal to carry my muzzle loader all year, trying to get one record book with a muzzle loader. And I had this guy on camera, you know, for three years, and was going to concentrate on him with on any of the gun hunts. I was going to carry my muzzle loader, and then. On the archery hunts, I bought a crossbow specifically for this guy. When the leaves got off, that way it would be you know easier to try to get on him because he was. I, I was hoping he's going to be 180s this year, so if I could see him. So but anyway, I didn't get to. I never hunted him not one time with the crossbow because I was going. What camera pictures I had of him in the daylight was in November, so I didn't. But one of the things I I preach to people I talk to is. I don't want the deer to know that I'm hunting him. Right. Period. So they're so nocturnal and they, they don't like pressure. So I'm not going to mess with him until I think the time is right. So I was going to wait till November. And they had a muzzleloader hunt that started November 1st. And I had to work, I was working days in the first four days of it. So there was one day left, November 5th. We had a camper and got it set up. And we went, I dropped her off and I went November 5th. And the first morning that I, I got to take him, he was a. Uh, he come by. He had a he had a younger like a three year old buck with a big body, but didn't have a real big rack. Come sneaking by me at twenty something yards, and I let him go on by. And he was, and it was still it was kind of odd. This year it was like green later. There's a bunch of green stuff around. It was so a deer could get by you quick. And he right. that other one got by pretty fast. And then, uh, about ten minutes later, something caught my eye and I looked, and he had already come past me parallel because I like setting up parallel with a trail where where the tree is kind of a cover so okay i knew that we're kind of using this shelf coming from a creek crossing so anyway he done got past me a little bit and by the time i got around he was behind a tree and he stopped and all i could see was his rear end and he stood there forever i don't know if he had six cents or something going on or right what, but he's he stood forever i couldn't see his head what he was doing but i had seen the initial this left side to start with I knew it was big but wasn't sure if it was this deer but i knew it was going to be getting shot at so <laughs> yeah. but, he, but he stepped out and uh as soon as he stepped out i squeezed off and i i seen the tail go up in the scope and uh, a few seconds later i heard a crash and uh i was gonna give him an hour if i don't see him die I'll, i'm giving him an hour you know just to give him time and I, like i say kathy was up on the top of the mountain about a half mile from me so i told her i'd be to her around 11 or i would hunt to 11 then go to her and it'd take me about 12 to get to her but so I was going to give him an hour. Well, I had about 30 minutes. I had to pee, so I had pee bottle and stuff, and I'd done that, and I was well, going to go ahead and eat stuff in my backpack, and I forgot about that pee bottle and knocked it off and made a name bunch of rackets. So 
well crap i done made all this much noise i'll ease down and see if Check i can it find out. blood and uh got down there i couldn't find blood but i went where i thought he went and off his point and got down there and couldn't see anything no blood so i come back started doing a little bit of gridding and walked up on blood good blood and he only went like 40 yards but he into the beech tree about that big round, he'd run into that and not bark off of it. And then, uh, I guess he broke one of the tip, one of his tips was broke off, and then maybe a little bit of the, the hand on the other sides. But he was piled up dead past that beech tree, and boy, I seen that side sticking up, tears started coming out. It was a, I mean, that was a surreal moment, surreal, huh? Surreal, because he was a whopper. And I got up there, and then you could see all the mass and all the stickers and stuff. And I think, you know, it's just overwhelmed with seeing something that big in Alabama and his humongous body, his neck was just, I forget what, I wrote down measurements and stuff, but he was huge. So. And, uh, he definitely uh, doesn't look like an Alabama deer. No, he was, I mean, even body-wise <laughs> and everything, those he, pictures. He, he is something else. He wasn't a real, real long body deer, but that sucker was a tank though. You know, yeah. had, which it was early, like I said, it was November 5th, so he wasn't really prime rutting yet, he was just pre-rutting. So, but he was a hoss and uh, Anyway, I you know I had some God moments talking about it and just enjoying it with him. And then I uh, had to—I already knew that since he's that big, that I'm going to get some people to come help me. And you know, one to help for the help, and two to have you know witnesses that, to know you know where I killed him at right. and all that stuff. And then I went up, I gutted him and field dressed him. And then I didn't want anybody to know exactly where I was hunting at, so I drugged for him an hour, you know, to get him away from the tree stand in the area. Then uh, got up to her and I'd made a mess. I was so tore up. I had my sleeves pulled up and I had blood all over me and backpack and everything. And I got to her and uh, she said, "What are you doing?" I said, "I got him." So, because so, I knew it was one on camera and she got all excited. So we we went out and um, called. I called the biologist first to let him know that way to try to make sure that he's going to be at the checking station. And then called uh, three of my buddies and two of them was out hunting or scouting. They weren't even hunting, is what's just kind of sad. Well, y'all should have been hunting, but they were out scouting on the opposite side. And uh, got them to come help, and uh, we took a big cart and went down. It took two and a half, three hours. Kathy come with me. She packed in some water, and she helped drag, roll some, and we had four of us rolling. So it took two and a half hours to get him out. So, but it was, it was I don't doubt it. Some good stories, talking, you know, enjoying it with friends. That's part of it is enjoying it with friends and family of a of something an accomplishment like this and something you know, just majestic, big old beast he was. Just it was neat. So everybody got to enjoy it. So sure is. It's funny we were talking about it earlier, uh, but want want everybody else to hear it. Me and you were actually friends on Facebook, and uh, I had saw your post. <laughs> you had po he had posted. Um, you know, big giant Alabama public land muzzleloader deer down, and I'm like, okay, you know, I'm ready, ready to see this. Yeah. So then you post pictures of it, you know, a couple hours later, and I'm like, oh my gosh, yeah. he wasn't lying. I mean, yeah. giant. That's almost an understatement for here. Yeah. I mean, that's a unicorn. That yeah. that yeah. actually, hundred ninety something inch deer on yeah. public ground in Alabama that just don't. Uh, don't happen very often. Yeah, when I killed the one with the bow, when I was coming out, I I done the same thing. It's a big buck down with the bow, you know, Alabama. But this one I put monster. Yeah, so, that's uh, what a monster. That's what it was, monster. Like, he was a dang monster. So, <laughs> so, you definitely that. got some folks excited because I, yeah. I mean, I was excited. I was, yeah. I was checking Facebook. I was like, when's he gonna post yeah. pictures of this deer? Well, where we're at, you, 
there's only a certain place you can get a text out right. and they're not going to get a picture out so the picture couldn't come to later but it, it was a it was a good teaser because it, I'm, it was a monster i wasn't lying it, it was you know he was a monster so so you just told miss kathy that you were going to meet her somewhere she didn't even know you, that you had shot yet she heard me shoot uh, okay so, okay yeah, so, cool yeah. cool that's crazy yeah she was well, up on a, <clears throat> a higher ridge up about a half mile away so that's awesome well um you know, if you don't mind, go go into a little more detail of like past encounters with this deer. You know, how'd you how'd you uh, how'd you put the plan together? You know, to go in after this deer and uh, come out successful, especially on the first morning. I yeah. mean, that's that's yeah. that's awesome. Yeah, it it's pretty amazing. Um, I had I run trail cameras, you know, say four or five in a, in a general area, and I put them on pinch points you know natural funnels and stuff like that but whenever i put them out so i run them year round i don't i don't mess with them much so any kind of info that i use for cameras will be for next season so right like we checked the camera uh, three days ago that had it out since july that I hadn't checked so and it actually had a, a picture of him in the daylight <laughs> you know so it works i only had one daylight picture of him and one nighttime picture of them this past year. It's October 17th at night, and then September something, 20-something in the daytime. That's the only picture I had of them this year, and I didn't know it until after I killed him. I didn't know if his, I was hoping he was alive. I was pretty sure, because I had a late picture of him the year before. But anyway, the first time I had pictures of him was in November two seasons ago, and he was similar frame, bunch of stickers, wasn't as quite as massive, but if I'd have seen him, you know, I'd probably would have shot him, because yeah. these, this, these stickers and stuff is very unique and, and, and rare on Alabama, even on public land. So, so he anyway. But in March, I had some more pictures come up from him. I checked cameras in June, July, I think. I checked them during the season, like say December, the last time I hunt, and I checked them again like during turkey season. And he'd come in with March, with uh, some other bucks that done shed their horns. He looked sick, skinny, just you know, still toting both his horns. I said, wow. And that was the year that I had the most pictures of him. So, and I was saying, well, I'm next year, I'm going to concentrate on him. So, so I hunted the next season. Hadn't checked any cameras of him. I'm hoping, you know, he's going to be good. Didn't, I didn't kill a deer down there. Didn't see him. I've seen some does several times, but no, no big bucks and small bucks. Well, after season, I pulled a camera and I missed him by one day. One day after a gun hunt, he come by following does, probably the same group of does at nine something in the morning. And he had the big frame, but he only had one or two of these splits. He didn't have all the sticker stuff, but his big body, he done recovered good. And he was probably 160, so close to 160 anyway. So, so he made a big jump. So he made a pretty good jump. Yeah. You know? And but he didn't have all the stickers. So I talked to a friend of mine that I kind of that runs some cameras too. I said that sucker, he might be 180 this year, so I'm gonna make a plan. So. So I bought the crossbow, and uh, I knew that what daylight pictures I had of him was wasn't until November and it was kind of early November like first week so they usually have a mudloader hunt or something right around that time frame so I'm not going down in that area until then I'll hunt the outskirts of an area of a big buck that I know where he's at or, or I'll find a different buck early season you know close to bedding or close to where they're eating acorns or something but uh, where I run them cameras out on them pinch points stuff like that I just I'll wait on till the rut or pre-rut starting to kick in before I start hunting them spots so so the first day i went down there this year it just it just timed out perfect where he come by at 9 45 so 
so I didn't get to take the crossbow to hunt him or anything like that. So, but it it worked out fantastic. So, so I, I mean that's I've only killed a couple of deer that I've had on camera like that. So, right. So, so I'm, how many total pictures did you have of that deer over the past couple of years? Uh, no more than ten pictures total. So. <laughs> that is so yeah. crazy. And that was, you take ten pictures and you put together a plan and go in there and, and kill him in the first morning. And most of the pictures <laughs> were two seasons ago. Right. You know, Last season I only had like two different times, two pictures. That's amazing. But I, I and it was kind of there he was using. I kind of knew about what I was thinking he was doing. He felt comfortable in it to be daylight in that time. So I was just hoping that's because they, you know, they're, they're that area. They they got a pretty good range. So they for checking doe groups out, it might take them you know a week or so to get back around. So it's kind of a timing thing, and hopefully it's daylight. So and hopefully it's, they're coming by you, sir. It's hard to catch them on the trail for me, you know. It's, it's but it's easier. Well, I don't know if say easy, but it, I get I have better luck seeing deer off these natural travel corridors and stuff like that. I don't I don't I don't pressure bedding areas, and I don't I don't pressure food source. I try to catch them in between it. So, right. You know I don't want I'm I'm trying. I'm always afraid that if uh, if I get too close to a bedding area in the morning or a feeding area in the morning. And it's dark, you won't know it, and you run them out, and then you'll hunt somewhere four or five days. They already know you're there. So. They're gone. They so don't switch up. I try to get between the areas somehow or another. And then in the evenings, I will try to hunt closer to a bedding area, but, but I'm lower below a, a big top or something like that where I, where I feel that they're going to come down. Right. So where I've seen tracks where they come off from a bedding area or something like that. So. Right. So tell us, tell us a little bit about your your journal. I think that's pretty interesting. And uh, I keep, I've been doing. Used to I had calendars. I'd, I'd have a calendar and I'd fill out all the hunts. All the like a big hunts. one of them big calendars. Big calendar. Yeah. I'd fill all the. I'd write down all the gun hunts going to be, and then every time I hunted, whatever I've seen and where the weather was, I'd write on the calendar. Well, then my wife got this journal for me, and she probably had it 15 years or so, I guess now. So I transferred all that calendar data to it. It goes back all the way to the first day. Is That's the year I was born. <laughs> <laughs> I got 1988 through 94 combined on one page. Okay. So, then after that, it's every every Pretty season, detail every after season that, huh? detail. So you can see where I keep up with everything I've seen, what manager I was hunting, what day, you know, what I've seen, what time, if I killed something, what time. How many deer? Keeping up with her stuff, my brother's stuff, my dad's stuff, and then if I had an awesome fishing day or something, I got a, a gunnerful day in here, like April fourteenth or something. One day we get wore back on the boat out. that day. <laughs> we wore them out one day, and then some turkey stuff, and then right. all my out of state stuff, you know, bear hunting or whatever. I keep everything in here, and I can go back and look and and see when things were happening at certain times, and you know, refresh my memory, and then. Um, and then trail camera stuff, I, I keep all my bigger bucks saved on my computer and go back looking at them dates and times. And make times notes of when they came time. through. Yeah, just correlate all of that to help make a plan. Because a lot of people think it's kind of weird, but 90% of the time when it comes before season, I know where I'm going to be at and what I'm going to do, and I stick with that plan, whether it's successful or not. And I'm confident that something could happen whether it happens or not, and I don't, I don't try not to deviate with it. You know, a lot of people do a lot of in-season scouting, and that's fine. That's, that's what you're comfortable with, and it works for a lot of people. But I kind of have a, a different plan that I do, and I'll stick with it with me and my wife, and that's generally what we do. And it, Obviously, it's working. <laughs> it's working so. 
It's hard uh, for me to deviate now. So, <laughs> that's, that's no kidding. So, no kidding. Um, like said, yeah, it's worked out. You know, um, like the big one with the bow, I didn't have. I didn't have pictures of him. Somebody sent me a guy sent me pictures of him from like four miles away. But the area where I was hunting at during a certain time of the year, bucks come through there chasing does, following does, you know, and looking for does. And I knew what you know when I needed to be down there, and I killed him like that. He come by chasing. He was hot on a doe's tail at seven something in the morning. Right. And killed him. So, but then uh, the one with the gun that I killed, I didn't, didn't even have trail cameras in, so so I didn't even know about him. But that's the first. That's the biggest one. I've killed two other ones that I that I had on camera. So that's but, uh, that's such a cool story. You had less than ten pictures of the deer, and yeah. you put formulated a plan together to go in there and get it done, and you did it. That's it's impressive. I mean that. Hell, this is impressive itself. Uh, I appreciate it. You done you done some pretty cool stuff. Um, so speaking of that, what what you got planned for the next year or so? You got anything cool cool planned out? I don't have anything out of state or anything planned right now. Just you know, we're uh, we're doing some scouting right now. I was scouted yesterday and trying to find some sheds. We did find a big old buck bed. And some droppings were a big, it's a big body, big old butterbean bed. He was bedded up against a pine tree below a bluff and watching like a valley. It was pretty cool to stand there and just think of what this dude's watching right now. But he, he'd been there a couple of times, it looked like. And uh, so that's, that's one to think about for next year. So yeah. don't know what it is, but it's a big body there. So. Right. And we've been trying to find some sheds, but they've been holding their sheds a little bit late. We had we pulled that camera card, like I say, and it has some... Just a few days ago, they had come through and they still had their horns. So, you got any targets from next year? I mean, you called, you pulled a card. Maybe. And he hunt, he, you hunt multiple public grounds, so it ain't just one, one here, you know. So, maybe we'll, yeah, we'll go with that. I go with maybe. We'll go with maybe. <laughs> I generally have something that's you know pretty exciting to right to hunt, but you know you don't like I say there's only a few of them that I've killed that I've had on camera, but they're they're in the area. So, so I mean, like I say, I got. Got two main areas that we hunt. We hunt Blackwater and Oakmogee. So then uh, I went to Sam Murphy this year, first time in a few years. So we try to hit four or five different management areas. You know, we've killed deer off of a bunch of different management areas in Alabama. You know, not all big ones, but uh, with four areas. Or, see, we've killed good bucks off of Wolf Creek, Sam Murphy, Oakmogee, Black Warrior. So. I think that's it. But I've killed one on Coosa, smaller deer on Coosa, uh, Wheeler Wildlife Refuge, you know, a bunch of different public land. We 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 try to spread the love and you know, the chase the rut to an extent. So, right. So Black Warrior first and then Oak Mogi around Christmas and stuff and then after that South Murphy, South Murphy or no, it's actually further north. Freedom Freedom Hills is, is further north. They have a January to a February rut. You okay. Know? So Yeah, it's almost like this western it's like a bubble over here yeah. it's like a bubble on the side of the state it's it's like they start early there and everything else kind of follows Follow, yeah. yeah so freedom hills is, is a little bit higher you know it's close to to the river and uh on the south side colbert county okay and, uh, they got a bunch of deer and some good ones not they don't really have the genetics these do but they have a pretty good rut going on so right but they had the cwd stuff this year so they had an extended hunt so and I think they killed quite a bit, but not. I think it was still a little bit lower than last year. Some people was kind of worried about the, you know, having an open season on. They might kill too many, but you, 
there's too many cutovers. You can't kill them. Soon that you know, a pressured deer has a whole different animal. You know, so they feel some pressure. They'll go nocturnal and get them right. cut cutovers if they can or thick stuff. And they, you don't, unless you jump them out or run them out, they ain't coming out. Right. Like that, so. That's that's how a lot of these deer get like this. Yeah. They uh, I mean that that that's what baffles me is the fact that you had less than ten pictures of that deer and and got it done. Yeah. I mean. But I guess when you're, you're taking notes like this and, you know, I feel like historically deer somewhat do the same thing, obviously. Yeah. I mean, that's... They, they find their comfort zones and their comfort areas and they and they they know where to go to get get away from people and, and or where they can see people coming or whatever. And this year is, and it happens, you know, every now and then, they killed some big deer this year at Black Warrior, but the movement this year was less because there were so many acorns that the deer didn't have to travel far. So Spread out. They were in the little spots, little pockets, and they, you know, a buck could could get up before the rut and just walk five feet and get all the food he wanted to lay back down, and he didn't have to go anywhere. So I didn't have as much activity on camera as I did this year as, as the year before because they didn't have to go nowhere to eat. It ain't, I mean, and there wasn't as many people hunting this year versus the year before with all the COVID stuff. Right. Quite a bit of people was hunting, so... But a friend of mine uh, that real successful, he had, he seen some deer, but he didn't he didn't see the movement like like we've been seeing because of the, because of the acorns that makes a big difference. You got a lot of that big massive acorn crops. It's kind of rougher, especially on the big woods hunting. So right, I prefer to be kind of spotty. You can they move more and and uh, you can you can find you know certain trees that's dropping where the other ones ain't and kind of pinpoint a little bit. So but yeah, they're they're a tough animal. The big boys, the mature ones, is is very unique in how they travel and, and how they use edges and stuff like that. Because, like I say, if if I hadn't turned around when I seen whatever, another five, ten foot, he'd probably been where I couldn't shoot. So. Really? So as soon as I shot and one his tail and he hopped, he was he was out of sight because wow. it was so green. So, and that's yeah. forty five yards. So really? Yeah. So past that, he was out of sight. So do you typically see? Um, do you typically see? mature deer using the same areas as, as you know over the years you're obviously hunting some of the same ground yeah. do you typically see that they they they'll like you kill a big buck generally a, a big buck will be in the same place or if it's like a turkey on you know, if you're a turkey hunting a big dominant gobbler he'll kind of keep the other one knocked down they're still in the area they're being quiet because they don't him to know where, where they're at so they can whoop them so and i feel the big bucks will do the same way they'll be They'll be grouped up to an extent, you know, early. Right. And I kind of think sometimes the monster ones stay by themselves. But this guy, he had, like I say, he had one of the little seven points that was a pretty good sized body that was that was hanging out. He was using it as a decoy because most people probably would have shot him <laughs> right. first. So, but, uh, it ain't his first rodeo, uh, was it? <laughs> so, so, but, and then when the picture, the camera card that I pulled the other day, he he was with that same deer. Really? Yeah. So that is cool. It was funny because he was in front of him this time. He was walking in front of the seven point, but I guess he knew it before season. He he'd have him tricked up. So now you walk front. So. That's right. <laughs> so, but anyway, it was, it was pretty neat there. He yeah. walked across the wrong hunter though. That's the that's the only issue. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I was kind of I guess you could say kind of lucky I was in the right spot, but I but I didn't know that he was in the area, so I can you know kind of take credit I guess because. I knew he was there, it was and I was hoping he was gonna be back through there. So I mean, that's that, that's a story, man. Yeah. I, that's that's impressive. 
Shoot, pick him up and uh, let's 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 show him off a little bit. Yeah, he's a. Uh... He has 11 points on this side. You know, when I've done the game check on him, I only counted 14. So, <laughs> so when they got to the checking station, they got 19. There's one that was, you know, close. So. Right. But he has 11 on this side, seven on this side, and then he's got stickers. He's got little kicker things everywhere. He's got little curly cue come down. So this one was broke off in two places. He's got a broke tip right here. So he's got this hand. Yeah, it does look like a little hand on so it. That one I didn't really know was a point until. So that's a separate point? That's a point right okay. there. Uh, Steve Lucas scored him for the buck matchers, and he called this as the mother. This okay. down here, then that was the daughter as a point. So, But it's very unique, you know, So to have these flyers and the splits. So got some thicker in the back. That one counted. So this one in the front counted. So, And you was talking about deer in the same areas. I got a shed over in there from 20 something years ago in the same kind of area that's that has this sticker. Really? Yeah. And it's kind of got the same frame, but it's eat up because it was so old when right. I found it. But it's got the same style of antler. And uh, it's just unique that the genetics are kind of in that area. So. Right. But I only have, that's the only one that I've had on camera that I've killed that, that you know, over the 20 something, 30 years I've been hunting there. So, and it's uh, just amazing. You know, it sure is. His only, you know, his only downfall, which is not a downfall, is a 15 and a quarter inch inside spread. Really? You know, but he's got everything else. Oh. Big, you know, big frame, long beans, 14 inch G2s. He's just, you know, chocolate, just real stickerish. Just an awesome buck. So oh, he's just beautiful. Just heavy horns. So. Beautiful. I'm very happy with him. So. 195 inch deer that's 15 inches wide. Yeah. I mean, I... I <laughs> I'm not gonna complain. <laughs> I'm not complaining at all. So. No sir. But he's a he's something else, and we're gonna have a full body mount done of him, so it'll be real impressive. So yeah, hopefully we can get y'all down to Montgomery in uh in August. That would that would be cool to that would be have him have him displayed. I know it'll be a little tough getting a full body mount down okay, there, but you haul that down. So. Maybe we maybe we can talk <laughs> you into it because he would he would look good at the show. So. He is awesome, so. <clears throat> well, man, we appreciate it. Uh, you know, thank you for taking time with us and, and telling that story. Um, you know, I I know I've learned a couple things from you, and I know, I know there's plenty of folks out there that can take a lot from that conversation and, and you know, use that in uh, in their everyday yeah. hunting life. So, I mean, well, so my big tip what a story. Is, is, like, right now, you need to be scouting right now. Right. Postseason scouting, I do a lot of – plans off of postseason scouting and then when it comes to hunting season don't put any pressure on to the right time you know as far as if you put it on too early you, you can't recover from that right you know, once you spook them they, they're going to change something to, they'll change the way they move or they or, or go nocturnal completely so it makes it tough so so do you yeah. think right now is the time when these deer are kind of transitioning back into their, back their, their summer their patterns range. yeah yeah Back to their home range. And so that's how you learn a lot about them for early season hunting, even yeah. though it's February. Well, there's March. no there's no leaves on the trees. You know, all the trails, the, the distinguished trails are so visible. Droppings are easier to find. Tracks are easier to find. You can find all the old scrapes, rubs, kind of tell what they were doing in their whole rut and stuff. And then you can actually and take your, say, topos I use Onyx, and then you can look at Onyx while you're finding these tracks and trails and scrapes and all that and, and look at different 
features, you know, train features and stuff, and then look at the trees yourself while you're on the ground where the pines are at, because then, then you can distinguish because there's no leaves on the hardwoods. You can see different shaded edges right? and check them out and find trails and edges and stuff like that. So now's the time to find all that stuff and uh, and start making your plans. You know, you can find, like I say, well, I found a big old bed the other day, and that, so I know that's his home area. Making me want to go strap the boots on. <laughs> Let's go put some miles in. So if you find them now, they're going to be within, a, I might say, a half mile to a mile when we come hunting season most of the time. Right. And you find where the does are kind of been hanging out at too. So that that gives you all something to do. Because we hunt basically in like a mile and a half to two mile square area. So right. That we concentrate on, learn, try to learn every inch of it. But you'll see every year you break down a different part of it and concentrate up and you'll learn all the different features and stuff like that. And it makes it, you know, uh, makes you plan out a little bit better for the season. So that's be my suggestion. You know, right now is when you need to be doing as much scouting as you can. And then if you want to do in pre-season or early season, you just do spot checks, you know, so make sure the acorns are going to be how you want them to be. And right. you know, if there's food plots around or whatever, check on what their status is. So, so basically, real-time info from the year prior, use that and less pressure. Yep. That's that's what you yeah. preach, huh? I try to let them be, stay comfortable. Right. So you want them to be comfortable for you can shoot them. So. Well, very cool, man. Mr. Mike, we appreciate it. Appreciate y'all um, coming. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. It's been a pleasure. This place is... Uh, Again, very, very impressive what you've got, what you've got in here. So, but uh, that's going to be it for this week's uh, outdoor podcast. We appreciate y'all joining us. Uh, make sure you go um, check out Mr. Mike's Facebook and Instagram and go check out his stuff. And, um, you know, we appreciate y'all listening and y'all have a good evening. Thank y'all. Have a good one.